0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Dr. Duncan McCollum coming to you from Santa Cruz, California. And that was Jimmy Cliff, many rivers across. Sometimes you can't seem to find your way over. Sometimes you make it over. And you know, I I personally have been, uh, this last uh, couple months has been kind of a a pivotal part for me. Um, I don't know about y'all out there, but Sometimes it seems like the going can be tougher than other times. And, you know, it's just important that we realize that that is what happens with life. As a um, chiropractor and nutritionist and healthcare care provider, um, you know, our job is to help people as much as we can. We want to listen to what's going on in their life, and find out what we can do to help them. And sometimes we have to reflect back on what got us to where we are. You know, the story of Dr. Heal thyself comes to light. And when I take a look at some of my past influences during my childhood, you know, I realize where what got me to where I am today. And uh, you know, a lot of it happened in my early early life um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that a little bit in, uh, reading one of the chapters out of my fifth book called New Hope for Sciatica. But, um, you know, I really want people to take a look at where they are today. You know, what's really interesting is we work hard, we strive, we, we, uh, try to make a good example for our family and our friends. We have people that are doing, um, great. Other people aren't doing so well. And we just keep plugging along. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> when it's all said and done, I think about my ancestors and my forebearers and uh, my immediate family who are not with me now. And, um, you know, oftentimes I, I have to take pause and think about the influence they had on my life, as I'm sure you would with yours. And, um Realize how lucky we are to be here today. You know, um, as I was uh, preparing for the show today, I was thinking about, you know, some things that I'd like to see going better in the last couple of weeks for me personally. Um, And I, I had to reflect back and go, you know what, I'm really glad to be where I'm at. And I know that I can make things go right because the supreme test of a being or a person is their ability to make it go right over adversities, but you have to realize that these things happen, and it's up to you know your own um, imp- your own desire to to make it go right. Sometimes I look at life and I look at the um, obstacles in the way, and think, "Gosh, they're they're insurmountable," but then I realize that you know. The true test is for me to be able to look past those obstacles, knowing what they are. Once you know what those obstacles are, you can overcome them, or you have the ability to overcome them, so that you can achieve um, a happier, healthier life for you and those you care about and love. So uh, what I really wanted this show to be about today is, you know, and Jimmy Cliff says it so well in his song, Many Rivers to Cross. I can't seem to find my way over. Um, you know, sometimes we're lost. Sometimes we don't know that we're going to make it. But if you just have faith in yourself and, you know, faith in your ability to overcome these things, you, it will go right for you. So, you know, I, I, treat I have a you know fairly large practice we treat lots of people we help them with unbelievable um conditions that they have and uh sometimes you have to sit back and go okay it's time to take care of me i need to recharge so that i can go out and help people again and maybe you have that going on with you so I, as i look at that for myself i encourage you to take a look and go what do i need to do for myself today this week in order for me to feel like I'm making a difference, you know, that I'm fulfilling my desire to help other people or to have a good life. I had a, um, a guy that was kind of my practice coach or, for many years, over 10 years. And one time he said something that was relatively offensive to me. He said, you know, one of these days you could, you could drop dead People would cry and be, feel sorry for a week or two, and then after that, they'd forget about you and go on in, with your life. And I thought, how callous is that? How um, untrue is that? Or how meaningless is that? And then I think about, you know, my ancestors and your ancestors. And two generations back, you know, we worked so hard to be able to um, have a good life for ourselves, for our family, for our friends. And um, but the truth is, two generations back, or maybe even one, our family doesn't even know who we were or who we that we existed. I'm uh, taking my family to Alaska at the end of this month um, because my my mother on my mother's side, my mother's favorite cousins, who were a lot younger than her, Uncle Jerry and Aunt Elaine are having their seventieth wedding anniversary. And they're my favorite cousins, favorite aunt and uncle. Their whole family is amazing, and um, so we're going to fly up there to visit them. And there's a whole bunch of cousins up there, which is crazy. So my kids, my uh, kids don't really know this side of the family um, because they were all passed away, or you know, half a continent away and life was too busy for us to get to see them. They've met them a couple times throughout the years. But the point is that <clears throat> this this uncle uncle Jerry and aunt Elaine had the most amazing relationship, love affair. They got married at six, 17 and 18 right out of high school. They've been married for 70 years and whenever I would go visit them, uh they were always showing such affection for each other and such love for each other. And it was amazing to me because, you know, my mother and father, they never showed that. They never really had that kind of love for each other, that affection that they showed. And, um, you know, my mother and, uh, my dad, they, they never got along really. I don't even know why they stayed together, but that was the, the example I had. And, um, you know, it was it was not what I wanted. But the thing is, in talking about happiness, sadness, and, and the passing of f- friends and family, the one thing that really drew me to the Orton's even more was um, the fact that both of us lost a brother. I lost my brother when he was 16. I was nine. Um, then my cousin Duke uh, was uh, killed about three years after my brother AJ and um, in a needless, senseless act. And um, we, we, we knew that kind of tragedy early and some of my friends never knew it until they were in their 30s or 40s or 50s because they had lost a dear family member. But, you know, it makes life that much more important to live and to live each day fully. So that's uh, kind of what I've been thinking about as I'm sitting around in my own gloom going, what do I need to do to make this go better? And again, uh, when I look at this incredible weather that we're having, um, even last week, one of the major roads in my town of Soquel here got washed out and people are being evacuated again. And it's just like adding insult to in- injury. How far can we be tested? Um, and the and the good part of that is, well, the true test of a being is his ability to make it go right. So I just say, chin up, move forward, find out who you can help. Because when you help people, you help yourself. And you do it unselfishly. Uh, that's what the my colleagues in the health fields—that's what we do as a goal. Um, I wanted to talk about chiropractic specifically today. Uh, chiropractic is the thing that really changed and saved my life, um, because um, you know I I had injured myself early on, and I, n- nobody really knew that I had broken my back at age twelve till I was twenty. But I had gone through quite a bit of trauma um, prior to that point. So I thought what I'd do, I haven't done this in a while, For I'm going to read uh, the foreword to my book, New Hope for Sciatica, which you can find on um, Amazon. Um, but you know, the, the interesting thing about this is when this book came out, it was right at the outcome of COVID, and um, I was... Uh, um, publishing my book and and rolling it out at the same time as 20 other friends, authors, we all wrote together. Theirs all went out and mine got censored from Amazon because I used a word in it called COVID. And so, you know, being uh, my first health book, I'd written four other books, but it was really devastating because of all of the anticipation and effort on trying to get a book out to help people, um, understand that their bodies have the power to heal itself and so this book called new hope for sciatica i'm just going to read my foreword here and it's called note from the author and this is what got my book banned as i sit in the process of writing this book perhaps the biggest wake-up call in modern history has plagued our planet even as I sit and write these words, citizens of our country and, in fact, the whole world are quarantined or confined to their own homes. Entire cities and even countries have been shut down and all non-essential businesses have been asked to temporarily close their doors. The deadly, quote unquote, coronavirus has arrived and with it came mass hysteria. The powers that be. Government. Nations, our own CDC, the FDA, let alone the World Health Organization, has been turned on their ear. This coronavirus, invisible to the naked eye, has proven the biggest terrorist of all times. It is almost like our planet has been invaded from outer space and we are defenseless to the alien attack. People are scrambling for supplies. Things as common as toilet paper, paper towels are nowhere to be found. Shopping carts have been commandeered and slammed against each other as frantic citizens are vying for position, grabbing boatloads of supplies off the shelves of local grocery stores, often leaving none and showing no regard for their neighbor. Not since the last world war has the world realized such a threat to survival and yet out of the rubble and ruin of an inept and now defensive healthcare system will rise a new awareness in the minds of the peoples of earth for far too many years we have depended on big pharma to save the day with the next new miracle pill yet even the invention of the coro- the invasion of the coro- of corona we have been left defensives. Or are we? Did you know that the wisest and most powerful physician who ever walked this planet lives right inside of you? It reminds me of the 1939 movie called The Wizard of Oz. For the entirety of the movie, Dorothy was searching for a way home. She evaded wicked witches, flying monkeys, and fell victim to patches of wild, intoxicated poppies when the whole time she had the power to find her own way home. As Glinda, the good witch of the North, would finally reveal, all she had to do was click the heels of her ruby slippers together and repeat, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Inside every one of us dwells an incredible innate intelligence. It has the purpose, and that purpose is to survive. And for eons, this innate intelligence has ensued, has ensured that we did survive. It wasn't until the advent of mass pharmaceutical cartel who put profit above people that we started down this path of the magic pill dependency. Don't get me wrong, I realize how much modern medicine has added to our survival and our overcoming of hitherto overwhelming epidemics. But perhaps with this paradigm shift, it is time for the individual to take back control of his or her own health. And through the pages of this book, as we discuss new innovation, in innovative ways for us to heal our own body, and in this volume specifically addressing the multi-therapeutic approach to sciatica and other health diseases it is or conditions, it is my goal and desire to help you to not only address your sciatica, but to rise above the dependency of another for your amazing health potential and take the reins and learn to guide your own life to where you can flourish and prosper while enjoying excellent health. So I wrote this, uh, it got published in uh, 2020, and it came out in March, but it, again, it was uh, banned, which was quite incredible to have a book banned, I must say, and, um, but finally we got it on, um, we got it out there. So I think what I want to do for a minute is I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Taylor. Dr. Taylor is a new doctor at my office, and this guy's a second-generation chiropractor. He's now the lead doc. He's really amazing, and he has so much um, knowledge and so many different tools in his quiver to help people become healthier. So we'll be back in a minute, but I want to introduce you to Dr. Taylor Pascal. Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and I have Dr. Taylor Pascal here, a new doctor in my office, and I'm so excited to have him here. Being a second-generation chiropractor, you grew up day one being adjusted right? That's right I was about 20 minutes old and you know people think I'm joking when I say that because so many people have this pain therapy idea about chiropractic when really we know that when we adjust the spine we change the brain we help the body function the way it was designed to do by taking that tension off the nervous system. We think about one adjustment how much power is in one adjustment and sometimes I think we take that for granted. Not here uh, but it's definitely easy to do that because we're so used to seeing these miraculous results uh, with every person that we lay hands on when we remove that interference from to normal function. (laughs) Exactly. So please give us a call, 831-459-9990, Dr. Duncan McCollum, and ask for the $49 introductory special to see if we can help you. Hope to see you soon. I'm going to play another commercial by Gary because I just want you guys to get the temperament of our office because it is a place that you may want to enjoy. Hey everybody, this is Dr. McCollum I have this amazing guy Gary here who's a new patient to our office and he just came up to the front and started talking about stuff and I wanted you to just express what you were telling us. What is really satisfying to me is coming here and meeting fine people like Natalie and uh, frequently she's the uh, utility player running around the office <laughs> and you can always tell that Natalie's on the phone because she will always say, McCallum Chiropractic, I can help you." And you know what? She can and she does. And it just uh, makes my heart jump just to realize uh, there's such helpful and friendly people in the office. Everyone from Angus, who runs the TRT machine, the other chiropractors in the office, and the uh, administrative staff like Arlene, very friendly and very helpful. If you want to feel comfortable at a chiropractor's office, come to Dr. McCallum. He's conveniently located off of 41st Avenue. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Call today for a complimentary consultation. 831-459-9990. My way over. Wandering I am lost. Hello, everybody. I'm back. And uh, how much I love that song. And I remember in a, about 11th grade going over to Berkeley to the theater by Laval's on the uh, north side of the campus and seeing that movie. It was quite quite amazing um quite a story and uh but you know regardless of all that you, you know so many people are suffering from so many afflictions, whether it's uh, mental physical chemical I was uh listening to um and actually dr um Pascal who I went to school with his dad Dave Pascal um, and his son um Taylor Pascal is now working at my office. He's so learned. He has so much knowledge. And he uh, reminded me of a video by a Dr. Reggie Gold in 1979 um, talking to the world and the community uh, via television about chiropractic. And they had medical doctors on there to debate or to discuss the difference between medical philosophy and chiropractic philosophy. It was quite groundbreaking at the time. There was a um, a lawsuit had been going for 20 years between the chiropractic profession and the AMA. It's called the Wilkes, Chester Wilkes lawsuit. And um, four chiropractors went up against the whole AMA. And uh, after all those years and all that money spent, the U.S. Supreme Court found the AMA, the American Medical Association, guilty of first trying to contain, then eliminate chiropractic from the United States. Of course, the committee of quackery had been around for years. The damage had been done. And if you realize a couple of shows ago when I talked about what happened in 1920 and earlier when Rockefeller created the AMA, excuse me, the AMA. And he wiped out, there were 180 um, homeopathic hospitals in uh, North America. He wiped them out because they uh, were not selling the pharmaceutical sulfa-based oil-created drugs that became the, quote, standard of care, unquote, by the people with money who had wiped out hundreds if not thousands of individual oil well owners and then with Dale Carnegie, who also monopolized the steel industry, becoming gazillionaires, but wiping out the, the people that were not able to perhaps fight off all this stuff. So a lot of the alternative, which is really mainstream medicine or healthcare, went by the wayside because of the suppression. So 1920 all the way up till 1999 when I graduated from chiropractic school, 1998 is when the this finally, this Chester Wilkes lawsuit came to an end and the AMA was found guilty of first trying to contain then eliminate chiropractic from the United States. Go ahead and look it up. Sherman Antitrust Act. So it's a sad thing because how many people could have been helped naturally? Later on in the show, I'm going to play a a couple commercials by some of my patients that have had, uh, surgeries that failed. And, you know, I only see the failed ones for sure, but there's a good portion of them that don't work well. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's important to know that they're all alternatives no matter where you are. So I, I wanted to go over why I do what I do. Um, You know, I'm here Saturdays on my own dime talking to the people out there that will listen about how you can become healthier, alternatives, different ideas about what you can do in your mind to change it so that you can become more successful, not just health-wise, but in other areas, because we've been suppressed for the last four years by fear, and a lot of people say by design. And um, especially when you find out a lot of the stuff that's coming out these days, if you're willing to look and listen on the evidence that shows um, you know, a lot of controversial points. I'm not going to get into them. You either know about them or you don't. And if you're willing to look, I recommend you do. Um, it's all over the place. But we are at a point worldwide where this whole world could succumb as we know it. Um, But I think it's the individual, we already have enough rivers to overcome in our own lives. Let's not make it worldwide. Let's make a stand. Let's decide to do something to change the course of where we're going. Inflation's terrible. Healthcare is terrible. We're rated 47th in the world for health. We spent $4.3 trillion on health in 2021. So something can be done about it, something needs to be done about it, and something should be done about it so i'm going to read you a bit on chapter two out of my book, uh, new Hope for sciatica to to let you because it's to remind myself as well of where why sometimes we lose focus or we lose fat um, i don't know we just lose ourselves in the day to day routine that we're doing and it's so easy to get stuck on the minutia that you forget the big picture. B.J. Palmer, the developer of chiropractic, always said, get the big picture and the rest will follow. And what that means is, according to listening to uh, Reggie Gold, Dr. Reggie Gold, in this debate um, to, in 1997, it's like, you know, if you're trying to memorize something like chemistry or this or that, You just have to try to put to memory these things that make no sense to you. But if you get the big picture about it, then everything falls into place. So let's not get stuck in the day-to-day battle, but let's get focused on what our goals are, where we want to be, and look at those obstacles as knowable things to overcome so we can get to our goals. And there was a point in my life where I was... I was nowhere to be found as a as a as a being. I was completely immersed in my pain medications, and the paths and the choices that I'd made as a young person that led me down some paths that were f- relatively dark and numbing and dumbing. So I'm gonna um, just start my chapter two here, which is called um, "How Did I Know?" Okay, my first inkling that something was wrong came about first grade. We were learning how to make letters on big lined paper, that big, you know, three by two by three paper. I had a yellow crayon in my hand and had just crafted a perfect letter C when Mrs. Dworkin looked at my work and immediately proclaimed that I had did it wrong. It was backwards. I was confused and remained so for several years. Rather than explain to me that the C pointed the other way, I was quickly labeled as dyslexic and thrown down a long, dark, humiliating path. Things got worse in first, third grade, though. When we were in circle time reading C-Spot Run out loud to each other, the boy named John next to me was completely blind. He sat next to me, John had just finished reading a beautiful package about, or passage about Spot with only his fingers, mind you, and it was my turn. However, I could not read a thing on the page. I remember the sinking feeling inside of me at the re- as the rest of the class looked on at me with many different expressions. That experience stayed with me and haunted me in my unconsciousness for decades. Shortly, however, my family moved to a new town, A small town, about 20 minutes from our town of Berkeley where we had been growing up. So I was away from the constant re-stimulation that brought on that moment of my life. For anybody who's experienced a family relocation, you can understand it takes time to get through it. I'll talk more about that later. later. But another thing occurred. We moved to Piedmont during a very controversial time in the world and uh, for my older brother. And things did not pan out as well as they should, and he ended up taking his life. At 16, I was nine. Quite devastating to be ripped out of your everything that you've known for the first nine years, moving to another uh, town, and then have that happen within maybe three or four months of being there. So that was unimaginably confusing to me. The next wake-up call happened at age 12. It was a rainy Sunday, Saturday morning, none, not unlike today, and I was visiting my two best friends in Berkeley, Billy and Andy. They were twins. Andy was born 20 minutes earlier for some reason. They were known as Billy and Andy, even though Andy came first. Anyway, they were, we were up on Tightwad Hill above the Cal Campus Football Stadium, trying to watch a Cal-Stanford game. This was a huge rivalry in the Bay Area, known as the Big Game, and it was not to be missed. As it was obvious the rain was not going to let up, Billy and Andy produced what is called a tube tent. This was a spherical plastic tube that you could take backpacking with you back in the day. You'd run a rope through it and tie each into a tree, creating a shelter from the weather. Backpack equipment has become has come a long way. The cylinder shape of the tube only had two openings. And since Billy and Andy held the positions and would not share it, I decided to climb up a tree to get a better vantage point. As fate would have it, I apparently used very bad judgments choosing the branch for my perch. When Cal got a touchdown against the opposing team, it was traditional that the cannon located close by on Tightwad Hill would go boom, proclaiming the score. My excitement for the score and my knee-jerk reaction to the sudden explosion created enough force to overcome the tensile strength on my perch. Suddenly, the branch I sat on snapped, propelling me 25 feet down to the steeply sloped, rain-soaked hillside. I landed in a seated position and then slid several feet down the muddy slope. I remember not being able to move or get a decent breath of air. Not only was the wind knocked out of me, but I tried to move. The searing pain shot through my back. It took a moment for Billy and Andy to understand the extent of my injuries and that it was bad enough that it would would require them to exit the warm, dry comfort of their tube tent to render first aid. It also meant that we were likely to miss the results of the big game. Finally, re- realizing that I had really uh, that I really could not walk on my own, they carried me one on each side the three quarters of a mile to my home. <clears throat> my parents were happily engaged in one of their traditional big game cocktail parties, and had already imbibed imbibed. Their martinis and crumpets, so they paid little attention to just another injury to their accident-prone son. I think I was given aspirin and shooed off to the TV room. In those days, little kids were to see, be seen and not heard. In the crowd of guests, as the doctors, uh, it, it, in the crowd of guests at the house that day, were at least a handful of medical doctors, all friends of the family, and most of them neighbors. Eventually, mom did take me to the doctor, one of her friends. The doctor concluded that I had a sprained strain and would heal in a few weeks. As a young kid, your only real role models are your parents. If they do not pay attention to your pain other than feeding you dope, you should simply begin to think that your condition is normal. Pain becomes a part of your life. Trying to do things like comfortable... Trying to do things like be comfortable on the couch, watching TV, or even trying to sleep was hampered by varying degrees of tooth pain in my lower back. Even though the pain level would vary, it was always there. I remember the first couple of weeks in seventh grade, all the guys were trying out for football and the coach mentor had us flat on our backs on the field doing a, the old style sit-ups. This caused excruciating pain for me. I recall the unapproving look in his eyes as he watched me struggle. It was like he thought I was being lazy or like he decided right then and there I was not one of his chosen. I felt like an outcast as though he had just dropped seeing me. There were days it wasn't so bad. I could run and play tree tag flying through the branches of the large oak tree at the top of the Piedmont Park. But in the evening I would pay the price often with searing pain and leg pain, coupling, coupled with the degree of depression. This, of course, would lead to my continued consumption of various illicit substances produced in the darkened sections of Piedmont Park, or procured in the darkened sanctions of the Piedmont Park as an attempt to cover up both the physical and mental pain associated with my broken body. Today, I have so much compassion for children and am constantly blown away by parents who say, he's so young, how could he possibly have a back problem? Oh, believe me, he can. For the next several years, my, constant, my complaints fell on calloused ears with fingers pointing to a bottle of aspirin or some other form of painkiller. All the drugs did was massive pain at best. The pain never went away. In 1969, I had just turned 14, living in the Berkeley Bay Area. Telegraph Avenue, which bordered the Berkeley-Cal campus, was in turmoil. The Berkeley riots and protest of the Vietnam War was in full swing. Then, on May 15th of that year, the day remembered as Bloody Thursday, Governor Ronald Reagan unleashed California's National Guard on the demonstrators, and all hell broke loose. As the guards shot into the crowd, a student was killed, another blinded. Finally, Cal Berkeley's student body was accompanied by thousands of other sympathizers, numbering over 30,000 from around the country in a town which was scarcely more than 100,000 at the time. A line was drawn, and you were either on the side of the left or the flower children, protesters, or the side of the right, conservatives, warmongers. None, none the less to say, I felt the left. I felt to the left. With this moon started, my 14 year experience with every kind of mind altering and body numbing drug imaginable, frankly, I was lucky to survive. Turn on, tune in, drop out became the battle cry of the new countercultural era. This was a phrase popularized by the psychologist Tim. Timothy Leary, as he spoke in front of 30,000 hippies in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. I didn't necessarily find a drug that would relieve my pain, but I was definitely distracted from reality, which in itself was welcome at the time. I started taking drugs that could be procured in the streets near Telegraph Avenue. As early as 1968, I began paying attention to the words of Grace Slick as she sang the Jefferson era's airplane song, White Rabbit. You can fill in the blanks. And so for the next 14 years, I followed the suggestions and the lyrics of that song and began my quest to replace the the essentially ineffective pills my mother provided me and to lose myself in the psychedelic euphoria promised of an emerging generation. At age 20, I was the proud owner of a 1959 Dodge half-ton pickup that I had purchased from my friend Andy a couple years earlier. This made me everybody's friend. One day two friends approached me offering to buy the beer if we could use my truck to move a piano they were given. I couldn't turn turn down free beer so I agreed to help them move the piano. So we drank a case of Bush Bavarian Talls and then headed to get to the piano. That's the way you did it back then. Since I, did the big, uh, since I was the bigness and had no idea that it wasn't normal to live in constant back pain, I took the back end of the upright grand while my two friends took the front. As we worked to get the piano out of the garage, the two guys in front said, okay, we're clear, pick it up. So I lifted up my end of the piano only to hit the top of the garage door. I was in a stooped, precarious position when I hit and my back gave out and I collapsed on the floor. I re-injured my back badly. This left me flat on my back in the living room floor of my own house in in excruciating pain. I laid there for three weeks, nothing helped. And I mean nothing. I had access to almost every and all kinds of, any and all kinds of drugs on the market, both legal and illegal and nothing touched my pain. As I lay there on that floor, My friend, Joni, gave me a massage and fixed me meals. I don't think I ate much, and as much as I liked Joni, the massages didn't help. The bigger problem was that I hadn't had a bowel movement in a week, and I was beginning to get scared. The pain in my lower back was a 15 out of 10, and the burning pain down my leg was intolerable. It was about about that time that I truly considered the ending my life. I was hopelessly handicapped at 21 years old. I had been in pain for eight years and nobody seemed to believe me or really care. I was considering my options when two friends walked in and decisively told me they were taking me to a chiropractor. They knew a what I thought I had grown up in the medical doctor community in Berkeley in the sixties. Chiropractic at that time was a four letter word spelled incorrectly. That was quack. As I tried to protest, those two friends picked up this ugly moth-eaten green couch that I had hauled down from my dad's house from the Bay Area, and they put it in the back of my own pickup. Then, against my will, they picked me up. I remember screaming from the motion. They put me in the back. Uh, they put me on my couch in the back of my own pickup, and started driving me away to my destiny. The next thing I knew, my friends carried me into. S- some office where the beautiful Midwestern goddess handed me some paperwork to fill out. If it weren't for her angelic lily-white complexion and her snow-white mannerisms, I would have tried to crawl away, scratching my way out with my fingers, which were the only things that worked at the time. Soon I was carried into Dr. York's back office. Wow, what a character. He was dressed in polyester pants and wore a white patent leather belt and similar shoes. His shirt was unbuttoned, one too many buttons, and his short cropped hair was scary. As I explained the piano incident to him, he nodded and took notes. After poking around on my back, Dr. York told me I needed an x-ray. This was a problem because I hadn't been able to stand for three weeks. With some convincing, Dr. York asked my friends to help They held me up as Dr. York took the x-rays of my back. Then Dr. York disappeared behind a door labeled dark room. I had no idea what that meant, but I remember the strange noises coming out of there, and I couldn't help thinking of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was that strange. After what seemed like an hour, the dark room doctor... In the dark room, the doctor walked out, putting an x-ray up on the light box. He pointed to a spot on the x-ray and said the magic words that changed my life. When did you break your back? He was the first doctor in all those years to take my pain seriously. As I burst into tears, no one had diagnosed the crushed vertebra in all those years. All they offered were lousy drugs that didn't even touch the pain. Now it became very clear to me that the delirious effects, the deleterious effects of all the drugs I had consumed would never fix the problem and would only cover up the symptoms. As time went on, I began to realize the drugs effect in regards to my inability to read, thus furthered my dyslexia diagnosis from the first grade on. What he said next scared the heck out of me. But as a result, it changed my life forever. Now remember, I could not stand up at all and was suffering from terrible lower back pain that shot, also shot down my right leg. I hadn't had a bowel movement in a week. I was seriously considering a dark and permanent alternative but did not want to live a life like this. But then Dr. York said five words that gave me a glimmer of hope. He said, I think I can help. He went on to explain that the old fractured vertebra was basically pancaked so many years ago. It was squashed. However, because I was young at the time, the injury, the bone was still green. So when it broke, it squished, kind of like silly putty. He said that if that had happened to a grown-up, mature bone, it would have snapped into fragments. He said, I was lucky. I was young when the accident happened. Yikes. Next, Dr. York talked about my bowel function and that the new injury caused the bones to shift and it was squeezing up against my spinal cord. He said that this was likely pre- pressing not only the nerves causing pain, but also the nerves controlling my bowels. He said he would be willing to try to give me a chiropractic adjustment to move the bone off of the nerves, but that under the promise that I would immediately go to the emergency room if it didn't work. The Golden Gate Bridge option sounded better as he went along. However, Dr. York did give me a signed paper to the effect that I would go to the hospital if the adjustment failed to help. My friends were held responsible to drive me there as well. I was scared to death, so I agreed to his terms. Next thing, I knew Dr. York placed me on his adjusting table in a side position. Before I knew what happened, he jumped on my back. There was a loud snap and a bolt of pain went down my leg and I felt like I was about to black out. I hated doctors at this point and had no regards for this guy. I'd had it. The rush of adrenaline had hit me and I jumped to my feet and was about to hit or lambaste him. Suddenly I realized I was standing on my own two feet For the first time in three weeks, I was stunned, dumbfounded, and ecstatic all at once. I was still in pain, but it paled in comparison to the pain I had been carried in with. I began to cry. Dr. York explained that what just occurred. I felt hope for the first time in years. He described the term something like this. When some kind of psychophysical, chemical, or mental force exerted on the body, the resulting trauma can have minor or major effects. Oftentimes, the trauma is such that one or more spinal vertebrae will slip out of place or get misaligned. He called it a subluxation. He stated that usually within a few days, the body will recover. The spinal segments will regain 100% of their function. And the communication centers of the body would be intact, and all would be well. He explained that occasionally the body cannot right itself, and that the trauma and the vertebral drama and the vertebra does not regain proper motion or function. At this point, the spinal segments will start, the breakdown, start to break down, kind of like a tiny cavity in your tooth beginning to form. And just like a cavity, the subluxation can go undetected. That is until the moment it hits the nerve. I've had plenty of toothaches to understand the concept only too well. So, when he explained how the misaligned vertebra can compress the delicate spinal nerves, causing any kind of disruption of the communication, and that to and from the brain, I got it. I realized that I had experienced all three types of trauma. Physical, falling out of the tree and crushing, my fifth, lumbar vertebra; Chemical, all the drugs and alcohol that I had consumed to try to get rid of my pain. Mental, the anguish associated with wondering if I would ever get well, as well as any other tricks my mind played on me. All these things combined were responsible for my ill health. Then I could see a path to hope. I was interested. Over the next few weeks and into the next several years, Dr. York continued to talk to me about chiropractic and his concept of the subluxation. So that's my story. That's how I got help. And what I want to do is I'm going to play uh, another story of Amy and then Karen, two people that have come in to my office and had help. Um, from the stem cell machine, which is even more innovative and new. That combined with chiropractic is unbelievable. And so I'll be back in just a few minutes. I've been licked, washed up for years. This is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and I want to introduce you to Karen, another patient who's had some pretty serious surgeries in her back, terrible amount of pain, and has some incredible results with our Softwave therapy machine you've had a few different surgeries in your back and you have steel putting the last three vertebrae together and you were still in pain after that yes so they put implanted in your spine spinal cord stimulator it made everything so much worse they revised that twice and added more paddles and ditched it all in it continued to get worse all trying to resolve the problem, which was a diaphragm cramp that never went away. It started the day I woke up from the permanent implant, and it ended last week when wow. you took care of me. Like, oh was it was last God. week. See if the Softwave therapy machine works for you. We have a $49 special that you can try. Call 459 831 831-459-9990. Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and I want to introduce you to Amy. She has had some pretty severe surgeries and was in a lot of pain, and she's had some remarkable results with our new Softwave therapy machine. My pain was a 13 on the pain scale. Um, Sometimes it was so hard I didn't really want to live. It was so bad. So I come in here, my first treatment, I stood up straight. I had no pain at all. Now you've had a few surgeries. I'm fused from L2 to S1, and I have eight inch screws through Uh, my pelvic bone. You're talking to your surgeon even as excited about the fact we're using this machine on Zoom. Yes, I have several of my doctors, really excited. They're, They're more excited because when they see me on Zoom, I'm happy. Yeah. They listen to me talk, and I have hope. See if the Softwave therapy machine works for you. We have a $49 special that you can try Call 459-9990, 831-459-9990. I am lost, I along. Okay, well, I say thank you to Amy and Karen and Gary and Dr. Taylor for their commercials and testimonials today. Um, I was, you know, when I listened to Karen and Amy, um, and they both were basically saying that they were the end of their life, they couldn't endure the pain anymore. And I think back to my story and I'm glad I read it today because I was there. I was flat on my back at 20, couldn't move for three weeks, couldn't go to the bathroom, nothing helped. And literally I thought if this is going to be my lot, I don't want to live. I'm not going to live my life this way. So those are the far ends of what we can help with chiropractic and with our stem cell machine. But there's so many conditions, not quite yet that drastic, that can be helped. So if you find yourself in any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort, and it's affecting your ability to enjoy your life, I mean, listen, we're here for a short period of time. And as I was saying, in a generation or so, nobody will even remember us. So... Why don't you just do yourself a favor and and get yourself healthy. Find things that can help you. You know, there's the old saying, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, you know, you're kind of crazy. I think that was Einstein. There's so many drugs in the world. We're 47th in the world for health we take 50% of all the drugs in the world and we're only 4% of the world population. Emergency medicine. We have the best on the planet. I wouldn't be here today when my appendix ruptured two years ago if it wasn't for that. But getting your body's healthy, you have this innate ability. Your body has this innate intelligence. The greatest physician who ever lived still lives inside of you. All we need to do is remove as many counter efforts to that survival as possible. Your body will heal. Give it a chance. You know, if you live locally, come see me. Try the $49 uh, comp- or special. We'll never charge to sit down and talk to you about your health conditions. If I think I can help you, I'm going to let you know. If I don't think I can, I will refer you to who I think can. But you deserve it. Your family deserves it. That you actually have a chance to go out and enjoy life. So many people come in in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And, you know, they go, no, I'm just kind of getting along. I go, well, what did you used to do? I used to golf. I used to like to fish and I used to like to walk um, at the beach. Now the beach is, sand's too hard. It's too unlevel. I can't crawl over the rocks to go fishing. And every time I try to hit a golf ball, my trick knee gives out on me. So what do you do? Well, believe me, their life is not as adventurous as it could be. So I started off this uh, show today with Jimmy Cliff, Many Rivers to Cross, because we all have many rivers to cross, and I guess it's no pun intended. Uh, You know, there's a lot of water going down these days, and uh, coming out of a drought, (laughs) now we have more water than we know what to do with, feast or famine, but your life is there to be lived. You can do anything you want, and I'm talking to myself as well, because sometimes things get us all down. Sometimes you feel like, what? how do I get out of this thing I got myself into? And the best way to do it is just know that you have the ability to make things go right. And if you need to find the right pathway to get you there, don't give up looking till you find it. This is Dr. Duncan McCollum, 831-459-9990, McCollum Chiropractic. Jimmy Cliff out, and I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode of McCollum Wellness Radio, please share it with a friend and tell them one helpful fact that you learned today. Remember, the best way to learn is to teach.